Over the last few weeks, we have been walking through the scriptures in an intentional way to ask, how does God encounter people? And if God is the creator of all things, and if God is alive and at work today, how might we know and understand and discern and experience the possibility of encountering God today? How might we encounter God today? And so today we're going to look at discerning God's work. How do I know what is God and the work of God and what is not? Simple topic. Nothing a 38-hour sermon won't take care of for us today, so just settle in. It's going to be great. How do we discern God's work? And one of the things that I've thoroughly enjoyed about this particular series is we're just reading along with the common lectionary. Uh, Vanderbilt Divinity School has created a a three-year cycle of how to move through the scriptures. So churches all over the globe potentially are reading these same scriptures today. It anchors us in a broader community. And then it just gives us the chance to see the scriptures Old Testament and New Testament speak to us. And as we looked at uh, over the last couple weeks, there are these moments in the scriptures where we have to confront what it says and consider what does it mean. And it says things like this, the word of the Lord was rare in that day. You go, great, I can relate. Like maybe you're in a season where the word of the Lord actually feels very rare to you. You're like, I don't hear God. It feels like God's not speaking. It feels quiet. Well, when we read the scriptures and we see the story of God with people throughout time, there have been moments in history where it's felt like that. It's been described like that. We read this other story where it says, the word of the Lord came a second time. This is to Jonah, an Old Testament story. So I hope we can be encouraged that if we miss it the first time, what might happen? There's maybe, I mean, not maybe, it'll come a second time. And that we can discern the word of the Lord. We can actually learn to know God, and God can begin to know us as we share our lives back to the one who made us. And what we've found is this whole thing of encounter is actually about humility. If I'm going to encounter God, I have to come to the awareness I am not God. I'm not. And then I have to begin to ask the question, do I want to encounter God? Do I have any desire to encounter God? Do I have any hunger in me that if God is real and if God is alive, I want to posture my life to be available to God to say, reveal yourself. Lead me, guide me, heal me, restore me, forgive me, encounter me. And if it's worth asking once, it's worth asking Over and over and over. It's humble availability. Will we make ourselves available if God's not on our timeline? Will we make ourselves available if we're having a hard time in community to discern together? How is it we can receive the life of God and then respond to it? And that if God does speak to me, I'll actually orient my life to that. I'll obey God. I'll follow God. I'll move my life instead of going, hey, God, thanks for that word. I've checked it out. It doesn't apply to me. I know better, and then I'm on my way. What did I just lose? Humility. This whole thing is living in humility and being available to the fact that God 
wants to lead us and guide us into what is good and true. Could we receive and respond? And so now I just spared you going back to three weeks of podcasts. You just got it. I do want to share a resource that we've put together for you. This is a discipleship guide. Discipleship is a really cool church word for following Jesus together. I am a disciple of Jesus. Jesus is my teacher. I am the follower. It helps me understand my relationship with God. And so this is just some thoughts of how you might experience the love of God and the life of God in community. And we would love to share it with you. If you've not had the chance to download it, it'll take you to a Google Drive, a PDF. Take advantage of it. We hope you do. So let's jump into the scriptures today. We are going to be talking about discerning God's work. Discerning God's work. And as we discern God's work, what we're discerning is life and death. Just a small topic. We're actually discerning life and death. And here's what I mean. If we go to Deuteronomy 18... We're going to see this story of how God is interacting with his people in the Old Testament. And in Deuteronomy 18, picking up in verse 15, just pay attention to how the scriptures speak to you. Just notice maybe what's here for us today. It says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. Some of you are like, what? what's happening in this story? Just go back and check it out. Just go back. Read, read back. Uh, I don't have time to go and dissect all of it and all the theological implications today, and I actually don't know all of them, so um, that's okay. The, the Lord said to me, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name anything I have not commanded or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods is to be put to death is to be put to death. How do we make sense of this? Encountering God and discerning God's work. I want to give us a couple anchors, and I want to help us see that there's a broader story that we need to see in the scriptures. The first is this. God is interacting with the people of God. There is real encounter, and now there's a real way to hear from God. And there's a very clear thing that God is saying, I will give you my words, I'll put my words in the mouth of my prophet, and they are supposed to speak exactly what I say, and then you're supposed to follow the commands that I give. There is a relationship of hearing and following. But he's very clear. There are boundary lines between what God says and what humans might say. Those are different. Sometimes they can be aligned if the human is saying what God said, but it says their humans can act apart from. Did you all see that in the text? And then it says, and then they might speak in other gods. So then there are other voices and ways that they might communicate to the people. And God is saying very clearly, I am the Lord your God. I am who I am and I will say what I say. And that's discernible and different from these other possible proclamations. Y'all tracking with me? Easy enough. But I, I want to go back to the creation story that we talked in, in Genesis 1 because we see God with Adam and Eve. 
And he basically says, look, here are the boundary lines I've set for you. If you live in this way and if you do what I say and you stay within my boundary lines, you will live. But if you step over here and you partake of this tree of knowledge, you will die. It's life and death. It is life and death. And God forbid a prophet who steps up and begins to proclaim things that God is not saying, like a false prophet, if you think you want to preach and teach and get up and say, thus saith the Lord, like it comes with a responsibility. Humility matters in the presence of God. If we are going to walk in the way of life, we have to follow the giver of life. What we're discerning is life and death. Jesus talks about this in John 10. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. So we begin to discern God's work when we discern the difference between what is life-giving and what is destructive. What is life-giving is the work of God because he's the giver of life. And what I love here in Deuteronomy 18 is we're reminded God is initiating with us. God is moving towards humanity. God is saying, I will proclaim my word. I will make ways for my word to be known among you so that you don't die, but that you might live. This is good news. The work of God is life-giving. Does that resonate with your story? Does that resonate with how you've experienced God? I want to use the words of somebody that's more intelligent than me and has studied longer around this. Warren Worsby says this in his commentary. Believers today must exercise spiritual discernment because many false prophets are gone out into the world. That's recognizing 1 John 4, a commentary of this moment where prophets will be raised up, but some prophets will speak their own word. John makes it clear that the first test of a true minister of the word is the confession that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and is indeed the Son of God. When you listen to a teacher who is truly God's servant, the spirit dwelling in you or in your heart will respond to the word being taught. The message will be true to the scriptures and will exalt Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord proclaims Jesus. Humility. The word of the Lord will resonate with the Holy Spirit poured out on the church because we discern in community. The word of the Lord is a life-giving word and we need to discern the difference. This is good news. Cool. Easy enough. We'll just spend the rest of our lives trying to figure this out. What I love here is as we grow in our awareness of God and his work, it's important that we discern. Like we, we don't want to just wake up day in and day out and not be a discerning people. We need to be a discerning people day in and day out. And this is not an us versus them. This is an us with us loving us, which extends to neighbor and enemy and stranger and foreigner and like the work of God is a work inviting us to his story so we can discern well together. Like, I find myself thinking, how often do I wake up a day and go, God, would you just help me discern everything that I experienced today? Probably a great prayer to pray. <laughs> God, help me discern your work today. 
Help me discern your work in my story that I've missed. Help me discern your work. Your work is life-giving. Where has the life of God met you at some point in your story? Now, what I think is when we begin to realize the life-giving work of God, here's what will happen. We will grow in worship and in wisdom. If I'm discerning God's work, and we understand that as a good work, we understand that as a faithful work, we understand that as a compassionate, a forgiving, a gracious, loving work, do you know what that will do? It will draw my life to respond to God and go, look at how good you are. Look at how awesome you are. Look at how faithful you are. My life will respond in worship. Respond in worship. Here's moves us to the psalm, Psalm 111. If we're going to discern God's work, we need to understand that as we discern, the response to God's work is worship. And as in humble availability, what we begin to go is, God, you are God, I am not. I want to receive your wisdom. See if you can hear this in the text. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds. And his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever, holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Woo! I want to be a part of that story. If that's true, that's the God we can encounter, we can know, we can receive from, think about how good that is for our lives. Now let that sit next to reality. What is worshipped day in and day out. What gets praise and what does, gets extolled day in and day out? And then let me just move it from worship to if you had to just think about the world and the way the world works, what word regularly defines or describes the experience of life by so many. Let me ask another question. 
If you're familiar with fear that feels more like death than life, the way of the world produces a fear that is not life-giving. The way of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when we fear the Lord, what will it produce if it's really God's work? Life. There's room for only one fear in our life, and it's a fear of the Lord that is not afraid of death because he has conquered death. He is the giver of life. He is the one who has resurrection power. So we live not afraid, but in the fear of the Lord, which is reverent humility of worship. It's good news. We begin to cultivate this kind of life of encounter when we're discerning our own lives, when we're discerning our own minds and our own hearts. If I am experiencing fear that is anxiety and worry and oppression, and it just feels like it's stealing the life from me, the source of that is not the living God. And yet what I know in the reality of this life is that is coming at us all the time. So we need wisdom to discern our way through that. We need a community that we can come into the presence of so I can hear my friend praise the Lord when I can't even utter a word. I need to put myself in a community of people who are worshiping God because I can just be in the presence of God when I don't have the strength to praise God because life is overwhelming. It is coming at me. I'm having a hard time. God will meet us in the midst of the fear that the world produces because he is the giver of life and he is gracious and compassionate. And I see that in Psalm 111. And yet this is not believe better and be less afraid. The scriptures are full of the command, do not fear. Do not fear. Guess what I'm really good at? Yeah, turns out. Turns out. We've been telling stories of encounter, and it was a couple years ago I was uh, in a place where people were worshiping. I just can't tell you how good it is to worship with you. It's like one of my favorite things. And some people were praying for me. And it was overwhelming. As people prayed for me, I experienced the nearness of God in very tangible, personal ways. This is my plug again in this week. If you have anything going on in your life, receive prayer. Let friends pray for you. Let somebody on our prayer team pray for you. Pray. And the thing that was prayed for me over and over and over and over again was no fear. I have had to remember that over and over and over again because I keep fearing over and over and over and over again. It's not going to go well. It's not going to work out. There's not going to be enough. This is not good. This is really hard. I cannot seem to break this pattern or this thing. And so the Lord in his compassion and grace just goes, I love you. I'm with you. I want to do this work in you. I want to meet you. I want to resource you so that we understand the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom so that we can discern. We can discern. And so God, like my, my heart is just opening wide like, God, would you lift fear off of us? Would you replace all the fears we have for all the lesser things with just a single reverence and fear of the Lord who also made 
the stars. Genesis 1.16. Two practices that I think will help us here. We need to slow down enough in our life to reflect on what is real. We need to reflect on reality. So what's real for you? Like, like when I reflect on my reality, I have a hard time determining between I'm tired and I'm sad. Anybody else? Just add hunger in there and it's a real good time. <laughs> and I actually don't know what it is to be hungry, to be fair. I do not know what it is to be hungry. I sometimes have a hard time discerning between I'm tired or I'm sad because life positions us to be tired and sad. Do we slow down enough to reflect on what's real in our lives and then remember where God has been present before and look where God present is now and anticipate where God will show up and be present in the days ahead? We need to reflect and then we need to remember. We need to reflect and we need to remember. And we also need to be willing to, to name this is God and this is not God. This is the work of the Lord and this is not. Because it's not heaven yet, which means there is stuff we experience in this life that is not God. So we've looked in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy and the Psalms. As we move to the New Testament, how do we discern the work of God? I'm glad you asked. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 8. I'm not going to read it all. They're trying to make sense of their world. They're trying to make sense of how to live out their faith in God in the midst of culture. You can go read more. It's a fascinating text, but I'm just going to open it up. It says, Now about food sacrificed to idols. Now, before you dismiss this, I know some of y'all were talking about this this weekend. You were like, now, when we're sacrificing food to idols with our neighbors, <laughs> they were trying to figure it out in their day and time. Now, about food, sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge. We all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. When we discern the work of God, we need to discern love that builds up. And if it is not love building up, it is not from the heart of God. This is a timely word. Period. We all possess knowledge. But if I anchor myself in my knowledge and being right, it puffs me up. Because now it's me against you. I'm right, you're wrong. And they're not saying do away with knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Arrogance and pride is not the work of God. It says love that builds up is. We can discern God's work in the midst of one another and tough 
issues and culturally challenging issues that the church is navigating, and we have to anchor ourselves in a way of Jesus that is love that builds up. To discern is to discern love and knowledge. That's the work of God. Finally, Mark 1. We need to discern authority. We need to discern authority. And this is not human authority. This is the authority of God. We need to discern the authority of God. And and we actually need to discern how we use our authority. Because again, if pride is not the work of God, if it's puffing up, if authority puffs up, it's not yielding to the humility of Jesus. So check out this story in Mark 1. It's very interesting. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogues and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had he taught them as one who had they could recognize it they could see it they knew something was happening not as the teachers of the law there is a distinct difference between the authority of god and an authority of a human and a human position they could see it in their day and time i think we can see it too just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Such a great question. Have you come to destroy us? An improper discernment. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Maybe actually for the impure spirit, it was an appropriate discernment. See? Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. Be free. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority, he even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole of the region of Galilee. What do y'all want to do with that? What is the Spirit of God saying to us in this text of encounter? We see a spiritual battle. We see that there are pure spirits and impure spirits. And who has authority? Jesus. The kingdom of God has authority in the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. And my question is, are we living under that authority? day in and day out? Are we aware of that authority? And what I'm struck by here is Jesus reveals the work of God. When we can behold Jesus and we can see Jesus, we can understand the work of God. Jesus says some really important things about himself. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus says, the Father and I are one. If you behold Jesus, if you love Jesus, if you regard Jesus, if you think Jesus is wonderful and good and worth your affection, great news, you have beheld God the Father. You have beheld God the Spirit. 
And you can let Jesus be the one you follow with all of your life, and Jesus can be the authority that we all need. Jesus can be the one who sets us free. Jesus can be the one who says, impure spirit, come out. This is great news. This is really good news. And I love the question that the impure spirit asks. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? If we know the work of God, we in our own spirit will not look at Jesus and resist the love of Jesus because we will see you have come to give us life. But in opposition, if in pride I set myself up against Jesus, if I set myself up against the kingdom of God, I have decided I have what I need. I have decided it's my work more powerful than God's work. And I do this in all sorts of ways. When I just make decisions in my own wisdom, when I operate according to my plans and purposes, when I operate according to my precepts that are not eternal. And what I think in all of this that I would invite us to consider as a church family is just two things. Will we prioritize discerning the work of God more regularly in our life? Just in humility, go, God, help me see. God, where are you? Where are you at work? What are you doing in me? What are you doing in my neighbor? What are you doing in my kid? What are you doing in my friend? What are you doing in my enemy? What are you doing in my coworker? What are you doing in my neighborhood, in my home, in my city, among the nations? God, what is it that you're doing? Help me see your work. Help me discern your life-giving work. And I do think we need to be willing to ask the question, am I yielding to the authority and the love of God? Am I yielding all of my life? And God is gracious and compassionate and will meet you on the journey. But I do think God wants all of what I have. The good, the beautiful, the hidden, the ugly, the insecurity, the awesomeness. You are made in the image of God. God has more for us. Maybe God wants to free us from oppression. Maybe there's a spirit that just holds your mind and holds you locked in fear. Maybe there's a, a story of how humanity has just given you all the reasons not to believe in God and God wants to free you to give you reasons to believe in God. I don't know. Will we discern the work of God and will we yield? I just think discerning God's work is essential in this life. And I want to invite us to discern God's work as we come to communion. As we come to communion, I think God can be trusted in a way with our lives that I need to regularly be stretched in. 
Because there's this part of me that just feels like I know better. That's, that's the, the way, that's the humanity in me. I just know better. I know better. Or frankly, I know the ways God has not shown up. And I use those as reasons not to trust God. But has God shown up? And can we use that as a reason to maybe trust God again and to risk again? Whatever it is you need today, I believe there's an encounter for you with the presence of God and in a practice that reminds us that the love and the spirit of God is to embody his church. And that I need to, I need to receive something I cannot generate for myself. I need to receive what only God can do. And so when we come to communion, we come in humble availability. We get to practice confession, and we confess our worship. God, you're amazing. Look at all the good things you're doing in my life. We get to confess our discouragement. God, you have been completely useless for me the last month, the last year. I cry out to you, and you do not come. We get to confess, God, I've not cried out to you for a year, but I'm here today. You hold the keys of life. You are the giver of life. I need your life. What do you need today? Where do you need God to show up and work a miracle? Where do you need mountains to move? Where do you need release from oppression and freedom from the spiritual battle? Where do you need healing and hope? See, communion invites us to yield to Jesus' very life. When we come and receive the bread and the cup, we're yielding. Communion invites us to receive his love. God, you love me. Like, let me just go all the way back to kindergarten and vineyard kids because you call kids into your kingdom and there's something about their faith I need again. Communion invites us to receive freedom from sin and oppression. There are things that are in your story that are not from God and were not your doing, but you carry them. And I think God wants to free us from those things. Be free. So here's how we're going to come to the table. I'm going to invite us to uh, stand. And we're going to pray a prayer from the Psalms together. And then we're going to say the bread and the cup. And then you're going to come and we're going to let it be completely quiet. And when you're ready, come receive the bread and the cup and you can go back to your seat and you can take them. And I just want you to wait in silence and then I will pray a closing prayer for us and then we'll have prayer ministry teams available to pray for what it is you might need today. And so would y'all join me in praying this prayer out of the Psalms? We're gonna jump forward a couple slides. Here we go. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's say this next slide together. The bread, the body of Christ given for us and the cup, the blood of Christ given for us. This table is open to any who come in faith in Jesus. If you're a first-time guest of ours, you are invited. If you have faith in Jesus, come receive what you need today. If you opt to not participate, I encourage you just to sit and reflect and ask God to meet you right where you are. Come, the table is open.
It'll be quiet, and I'll pray a closing prayer. As we receive the bread and the cup, God, we ask that you, by your Spirit, come. I pray where fear that's not been from you has hold of our lives, that you would set us free today, God. Pray where love has not been the trustworthy way of experiencing you, God, that you would just begin to come and bring healing and hope to people's hearts and minds. And just even today, God, I've been aware of your presence here. And so I pray for, for every person here, that sense of your nearness and the possibility of encountering your love would begin to to become a more trustworthy space. I do think there's an invitation for one or maybe more, but I'm going to risk a little bit, that when you think of your own life story, 
you really haven't understood your life as fully yielded to God, like you've said, God, here's my whole life. Like maybe you've been exploring faith or you've had faith in Jesus and you kind of walked, but it's not been an all-in moment for you that you just know the truest thing about you is that God loves you and you are following Jesus with all of your life. That's actually the way of following Jesus. It's a relational journey. And I just feel like I'm supposed to invite you into that, into that clear moment. You would know that today is the day the rescue of Jesus you fully received. You just fully received the rescue of Jesus. You are loved. You are forgiven. You are wanted. You are adopted into the family of God. You are his. God has initiated his love for you and reached for you. And just today is a moment that the culmination of that pursuit makes the most sense. And you just go, I'm all in. I'm all in. If that just makes sense to you today, I just want to invite you to come get prayer at the end. The other group, I, see, I just feel like we're supposed to pray for, you have, life has felt heavy, it has felt oppressive, it has felt fearful, it has just been, it's not felt life-giving. I would love for you to experience the giver of life care for you today. And so we want to pray for that, and we'll pray for anything else you need. So let's stand together. I'm going to bless you. And then if you're available to pray with people, if you'd go ahead and start making your way down, small group leaders, our prayer ministry team, we are so thrilled that you are here today. God loves you. God is pursuing you in his faithful, eternal way. And so God, I pray that that pursuit would become more uh, real in our lives. I pray that we would be able to discern your work. We would see where you're showing up in our lives. And I pray for an outpouring of your spirit an outpouring of your spirit so that we would be the kind of people who worship you, who experience wisdom from you, who build up those around us in love, and who walk in the authority that comes from being your kids. May we experience and encounter your love and your presence this week. We bless everyone here in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.